I'm not cooperating today. No. <laughs> what are we doing? Let me do an announcement. You want to make an announcement? I'm, I'm already up here now, though, man. <laughs> I'm going to make an announcement. I am Pastor Lou. <laughs> Is that what you were going to do, man? Yeah. Yeah, there you go, man. You know what? I believe sometimes you just got to flow with the agenda. You know, that's it. But good morning. Good morning, good morning. I'm excited. I am. It's good to see some familiar faces. One, two, I've seen you before. Dr. David, it's good to see you again. Um, I think you were here the last time I was here, too. Yeah. I don't remember meeting you guys. The newcomers? Did they sing the official open altar song for being newcomers? Oh, they didn't do that? Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I do act up every now and again, and my wife is here. She's going to make sure I don't get too far out there. Um, <laughs> that's my um, queen of 36 years. Um, I thank God for her. There's no one else on the face of the earth that could deal with me. Um, you ain't had to say amen behind that one. And I'm just, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. I, I know I'm a difficult person. Um, she gets to see me behind the scenes, and sometimes I can be stubborn, and sometimes my type A personality can kind of, you know, charge straight ahead and stuff like that. And But she is my helper. She is. I, I, I like to say she is the ice in my water. She is the chocolate icing on my cake. That's what she is, the love of my life. Uh, we've been married, as I said, for 36 years, and we have three adult children, seven grandkids. And she's older than me. She robbed the cradle. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. But I want you all to relax and hopefully um, take some notes because I believe that the message today that I'm going to share with you is life-changing. Um, of course, you can go back and look at the video too, but it's always good to take notes. That way I know you're paying attention. The title of my message today is, Can You Carry the Weight? Can You Carry the Weight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I was in a meeting with um, our spiritual parents, my wife and I. And um, our pastor said something pretty profound. And it kind of, it's one of those statements where you got to examine yourself and you got to be honest with your own self. You got to be transparent. And it's like one of them questions that smack you right up in the face. And, and, and he said, how are you managing your time? Now, initially when he said that, I couldn't kind of get my head wrapped around it at first. You know, just, but I, I didn't let it go. Like, how am I managing my time? And it just made me think, first of all, we don't know how much time we have. 
And are we squandering the time that God has so preciously given us? A lot of distractions. And sometimes we get drawn off into directions that they're not really are going to count towards the crown that we're going to receive in eternity. Did y'all get that? Yeah. You know, and, and we don't understand God's reward system. We don't. It's not like ours. It's nothing like ours. He says something like this, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And here we are in this earth realm, and we do everything we can to be first. But it doesn't matter if you're not in the will of God. And the Bible says something like this. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, I cast out devils in your name. I lay hands on the sick and Jesus is going to respond and he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. Now to me, that's heartbreaking. So how are you managing your time? So this message today It's going to challenge your perspective on how you see things. It's, it's like me taking you from this place to this place. And you know you're going to struggle and you're going to put up a fight. You're going to kick and bite and scratch and all that kind of stuff. So it's not going to be this smooth. It's going to be like I'm going to have to move you over to here because your perspective needs to be adjusted. And that's how I live my life. I try to see things through the, through the eyes of God. I always ask myself, God, what are you doing? I mean, even today, it's not an accident that you're here today. I mean, we're not smart enough to wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to open altar worship center today to play the guitar. We're not that smart. But God put that thought in our heart. And if you didn't have the right perspective, you wouldn't be sitting there right now. Are y'all with me? Yeah, so we, we take things for granted. Can you carry the weight? And what's interesting about this topic, I believe that everything that we encounter in our lives, the trials, the tribulations, they actually prepare us to carry the weight of the glory. That's what I mean. I got to change your perspective. Regardless of what your status is in life and, and, and where you are, what stop you're in right now, whatever is going on in your life, it could be some good things, some not so good things. It could be some terrible things. But whatever it may be, wherever you are, can you handle the weight of the glory? And, you know, I had a welcome to Virginia Beach moment. <laughs> Friday. I'm one of these believers where I always want to be teachable always and I don't think I've arrived so I had my welcome to Virginia Beach moment on Friday we get to the hotel to check in and and it's just like the devil just dropped a bomb of confusion you know all we want to do is just get in the room and lay down and chill out but it didn't work out that way you know it must have took us what, what queen, about an hour and a half to, to get checked in? An hour and a half to get checked in. And the money that we put down on the room, they took it all out of our bank account like almost a month ago or something. Took all the money out. And I'm like, well, what hotel does that? 
they usually just swipe your card and hold your room. With it, they took every dime. I was okay with it because I'm like, well, at least it's paid for. And go down there, we got to worry about it at all. Something happened to the, to the sound. It's okay, okay. And um, make a long story short, because I want to get into this message. I don't see a clock around here anywhere, so. Oh, oh, I can't look up that high. Lord have mercy. I love y'all, man. Y'all just like Jesus people, man. We love you, Pastor, but we want to go home. But, but anyway, um, to make a long story short, man, it, I was sitting there, my wife and I, I didn't know that she had went off into prayer, and I did the same thing after a while. Um, I actually shut down. And that's my defense mechanism when, I'm, when I feel like the old man is trying to kick the dirt off and come up out of the grave. <laughs> I, just, I just shut down. I, I know it's, I can't say anything else. I just got to keep my mouth closed. And what I did was I sat there and I put my head down. I began to pray in my heavenly language. Can I carry the weight of the glory in what was happening? And so finally God began to move in that whole situation. And the lady, she said, all right, I'm going to give you credit for all your money, and then we're going to put you in this room, and we're going to transfer the money. Whatever she was saying, I tuned out by them, man. I'm like, God, you got you to take them. Because I knew the next thing that came out of my mouth was like, it wasn't going to be good. Okay, Dr. David, it just wasn't going to be good. It was just going to be downhill from there. So I said, I let my wife do all the talking and all of that. All I want to do is just get away and go up into the room and chill out. You know, and, but it, it worked out. It, it worked out. We got in the room. And then when I went to check the bank statement, they took the money again. I'm like, so they, they like $3,000 into our pocket. And I'm like, for three nights? I'm like, well, wait a minute. Man, I tell you, that was my welcome to Virginia Beach moment. And because I've learned and trained myself to, to examine my perspective on how I see things, it allowed me to get through that moment. Can you carry the weight of the glory? If Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, that means that he's always doing something in our lives. Not just on Sunday. Not just on Sunday. So I got some questions here. And these questions are titled them unprepared for the unprecedented you know the pandemic was unprecedented how do you prepare for something that you don't know is coming there are things that happened in my life I, I mean I didn't plan for it I didn't plan to be a preacher that wasn't on my bucket list <laughs> I tell people that all the time I'm like shucks no, I don't want to be no preacher my goal was to be a, well, my second goal was to be a professional athlete, okay? <laughs> but, you know, we all, ha we, we all have aspirations. Nobody starts out saying, I want to be a bank robber or I want to be a loser. Nobody grows up as a child dreaming that they're going to be a failure. And so I want to talk about the glory today. 
And that's why I need you to take notes or go back and look at this video. So here are the questions. I need you to ponder these questions. I'm going to answer every one of these questions. Okay? Well, I'm going to do my best to. What is the glory? What is the glory? What does the glory look like? How do I know I'm actually reflecting the glory? How do I know that? And what's the process that I can follow to consistently demonstrate the glory of God in my life? What's the process? Is there a road map that I can follow? Preach it. Tell me. Help me. I want to know. You put them questions out there. Now answer the questions, preacher. How can I answer these questions? What's the process? So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's just jump right into this thing. And I, I, I want to warn you guys that I probably won't finish this because this was a, a five-part series that I preached before. So I'm going to try to give you as much as I can in 45 minutes. Is that a deal? Okay. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is like, I'll tell you, this is one of my favorite passages of the scriptures right here. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we, that's everyone in this room today, we do not lose heart. Let me break that down for you. That simply means we don't quit. We don't give up. We don't throw the towel in. That means that if you're born into the family of God, you're not born a loser. Okay, I got two amens out of that one. Y'all going to make me work hard in here today. There are no losers in the body of Christ. If we're all created in the image of God, God ain't create losers. Now, he created us all different. We got different journeys and different challenges, but we're not losers. So the scripture says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, watch this now. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now, watch this now. Look at this process that's happening at the same time. What you see in the physical is perishing. It's the moment that I'm born, I'm launched towards eternity, towards death. But something is happening on the inside of me that you can't see. That's why people look at you and they think you're still the same. Because they're looking at the outward, man. They, they can't see what's going on on the inside. Can you carry the glory? So something has to take place. You know... In Hebrews, it says something like this, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I encourage you to go back and see why that verse says that. But if you go back to the book of Genesis, God created man in his image. He didn't create a loser. Think about it. This is what God spoke over his creation. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion. That's not the picture of a loser. 
And so in order for that to happen, there's a transformation that has to take place. We have to change our perspective because we're born into a world that's corrupted by sin, but God didn't change his mind. Even though we live in a fallen world, God said, have dominion, be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over everything. In the first 11 chapters of of Genesis, it breaks out how God wants to dominate the earth. He wants his glory, PW, to be seen everywhere. Everywhere. I can't go where you go, but the glory is in you. I'll show you that in a minute. So when we leave out of this room today, the glory leaves out. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. I dare you to say that. Therefore, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now, you can get stuck on that part because how long is your moment? Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. So how long do I want to be uncomfortable? Not long. That's, that's my option there. I don't want to be uncomfortable at all if I can help it. I went complaining to my pastor one day because I was sitting in meetings Am I supposed to stay in this spot right here? Oh. Y'all got me in jail? That's what it is. Okay. I didn't know if y'all had an electric fence over there or something about touching it. But I went to my pastor complaining one day. I said, why do I always get... It's like every time I do something, it's always hard. I said, I've been talking to God. I'm like, God, I'm sitting in your meetings, and, and I'm hearing all these marvelous testimonies. People being blessed, financially blessed, getting new homes, all of this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there like, they got to be lying. <laughs> and, and I went to my past. I'm like, I'm hearing all these tips, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, can I get something easy just once? And his response, actually, it made me mad. He said, why should you get something easy? I'm like, <laughs> That ain't what you're supposed to be saying to me right now because I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I need a break. But it made me think. Because the things that I was going through was preparing me to carry the weight of the glory. Can you carry the weight? There were things that God was doing in my life, purging some things out of my life that I couldn't take to the next level. Or it wouldn't produce fruit in the next environment that I went into. Or maybe it wouldn't produce the right fruit for the next person that I encountered. And so that meant I had to change my perspective. It's a light affliction. This is just for a moment. And it's working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So when we're going through something, if you're in a situation right now... Your storm that you're in right now, if you're in a, a level of uncomfortableness, God is doing something. He's working something. I know it don't feel good. No, it don't feel good. But God is working something. And the only reason we struggle underneath that thing is because our perspective is wrong. 
verse 18. Here's the, here's the solution right here. While we do not look at the things which are seen. Okay, now it's talking about your perspective. And you know how we are as human beings. We always move and we always respond to what we see. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are what? Not seen. Now, how in the world, Pastor, do I do that when this thing is right in front of me? It's buffeting me. It's a thorn in my side. I'm broke. I can't rub two nickels together. I'm in a jacked up relationship. I never dreamed of being in this place that I'm in right now. What do you mean? Don't look at it. It's right in front of me. I wake up, it's still there. But here's the solution. Change your perspective. Maybe that thing is there because it's working something in you. I I know, that's kind (laughs) of, that's hard to kind of get your your head wrapped around. And that's why I said, God didn't create any losers. And sometimes it does look like we're losing. But the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It says, for the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Realize this. Everything in this room here came from the invisible. Okay, now I probably got to break that thing down a little bit. Let me do it this way. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we'll need to turn there. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Y'all know it. And the Word was with God. Now, I did a study on the Greek, the original Greek that was said there. And the word, W-O-R-D, word, means logos. That's the original Greek word. It says, in the beginning was Logos. And Logos was with God. Now, the definition of Logos is the expression of a thought. Okay, let's say it this way. In the beginning was Logos. Or in the beginning was an expression of a thought. So that means that we were inside of God before we were even born. God spoke us into existence. So God has an image of who we are. His son created in his image not to lose but to win. Now, unfortunately or fortunately, the devil comes in and he distorts God's plan for our lives. Now, that's what happens. Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, I want to be a drunk. Nobody wakes up in the morning and say, I'm going to go over here and rob 7-Eleven and some other stores, and, and that's how I'm going to strike it rich. Nobody does that. So everything we see came from the invisible, including you. God knew you, the scripture says, before. For you were conceived in your mother's womb. Now, I know that's hard to get your head wrapped around. 
but just do it anyway. He knew you before you knew yourself. And he created you in his image, and he's working to change your perspective so that you can line up with how God sees you as a son. Wouldn't you know it that God uses trials and tribulations to get us on course? That's why it says, for our light affliction. It's only for a moment. You got to get this point. We don't look at what we see. Because everything we see is temporary. Yes, every single thing we see is temporary. But the things we can't see are forever. Check this out. You can't see faith. But it's forever. It's eternal. So why not take up this thing called faith to get us through these trials and these tribulations? Which are temporary. See, that devil's slick, man. He make you think your situation is permanent. And then remember now, I shared my testimony. I went to my pastor complaining. I said, I want to get something easy. I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm fasting. You know, I need a break. I, I need to have a testimony like everybody else. But there was something I had to understand, and that was it wasn't my season. Okay, I know that messed some people up when I said that, man. Greetings to the Cyber Church. It wasn't my season. In Genesis, it says this. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Okay, let me say it again. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed, time, and and harvest, so I have to understand what season am I in? Am I in the season to sow seed? Because my seed is going to impact my harvest. I can't see my harvest, but I can see my circumstances, so which one am I going to focus on? My future houses my harvest. So God is saying, recognize the season that you're in. You're in a season of sowing seed. That's why most people only tithe one time or give one time because they don't see nothing immediately. You don't know what that seed is doing in the unseen. And then when the harvest comes, you say, it don't work because... Get this. I figured this out. It wasn't hard to figure out, but I figured this out. The reason I couldn't see my harvest is because God couldn't see my seed. <laughs> I mean, really. You know, and then I got this real simple revelation. It says, if I give you a dollar, how much is mine? And I'm like, all of it is yours, God. How much are you supposed to give me? I said, a dime. And he said, you can't give me a dime? I mean, that's how God deals with me. He just breaks it down to the, the nitty-gritty. Y'all follow me? Okay. So let's go to the book of Revelation. 
We got 18, 19 minutes left. I ain't going to make it. <laughs> I ain't even going to try to make it. Revelation. Chapter 4. And this is about John. And what you don't see in Revelation here is, is why John was in the position he was in. And that's because he was an outcast. He was banned. He was a castaway. They took John and they dipped him in a bucket of tar. Now that's tribulation. That, that'll make you quit. And then they cast him to an island called Patmos. Wouldn't you know it? God was there. God is on your aisle of Patmos. He's there. He said he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Now, John could have been frustrated and he could have said, I'm, just, I'm done. I quit. But then something interesting happened and it was for our benefit. Because, I mean, during praise and worship, we was talking about the glory of God. We were singing about it. Give him the glory. Well, what is the glory? Those are the questions that I put before you. We sing about it, but do you know what it is? We sing about it, but do you really understand what the glory is? And for years I asked God that. Well, you know, I, I love singing about your glory, but what does it look like? And I believe that this is what I found in Revelation chapter 4. Now, I'm not trying to dispute any Bible scholars or anything like that. I'm just breaking the glory down for you. Okay? Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. After these things I looked, and I saw a door standing open in heaven. A door standing open in heaven. Could it be that when we're in the midst of the storm that there is a door? Let me keep going here. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now understand something. John was flesh and blood just like we were. He's been exposed to something unprecedented he had never seen before. Can you imagine if you never saw a bicycle and I walked up to you and gave you a box and I said, put it together. And you take the pedals and you put it on the handlebar. But this is what John's situation was. He's experiencing the unprecedented, something that he had never seen before. And understand, as we go into this now, he did the best he could to describe what he was seeing with his natural eyes. He heard this voice and his voice said, come up here. So that lets us know that he wasn't in the natural, he was in the spirit realm. Okay. And he said, behold, a throne 
set in heaven in one, and that should be a capital O in your Bible, sat on the throne. Can you imagine seeing this for the very first time in your life? Verse 3, and he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings. Now, how many of you all would have started running by now? You'd have ran off the Isle of Patmos. You'd have swam across the bay. Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, verse 6, there, were sea, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front. And in the back, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf and a third living creature had a face like a man and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. I'm out of here. And they do not rest day or night saying one thing, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, I kind of concluded that John had some type of experience or background in jewelry. That's what I came up with. So he used his background and his natural experience to try to explain what he was seeing that was unprecedented. So he kept coming up with all of these precious stones. When you enter into a storm or a trial, what do you see? What you see is based on your perspective. And if God can change your perspective, I think the storm will calm in your life. Because you realize that what it's doing is working out a far greater it's preparing you to carry the weight of the glory that's waiting for you on the other side. I hope y'all following me on this. Okay, let me finish explaining this. Verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. This went on every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So therefore we do not lose heart. John did the best he could to describe the glory. 
No, hear, hear what I'm saying here. He, he, he described the glory to the best of his ability. Now, this is what we sing about. This is what we talk about. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. So here's a man that experienced what the glory actually looked like. Now, let me show you how awesome God is. Is that 27 minutes? Oh, okay. So this is how awesome your God is. This is how much he loves you. He took what was described here in Revelation chapter 4, and he put it in your heart. Just think, you're walking around thinking you're regular. That's your perspective of yourself, that you are regular. And the Bible even says, we're, we are a peculiar people. But we're working real hard at being regular. I mean, we put a lot of effort into being regular and try to fit in with the way the world fits. Whichever way the world flows, we flow with it. We try to fit in, but we got this problem, which is called the glory on the inside of us, and it wants to get out. See, I've learned that as believers, everything we go through is personal. No, really, it's personal. What I went through on my welcome moment to Virginia Beach was personal. That thing affected me personally. So as believers, whatever we go through is personal, but it's not ever private. Now figure that out. Think about it. The Bible says that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. How in the world can it be private when we have a bunch of witnesses that's looking at it? The glory is designed to have dominion. The glory is designed to be fruitful and to multiply. When God created the Garden of Eden, it was the perfect environment. It was supposed to feel and grow over the entire earth through the people that God created in his image. So what God did in all of his awesomeness is that he put his glory in your heart when you became born again. Everywhere you go, you take Revelation chapter 4 on the inside of you. It's, you. it's impossible for you to be regular with all of this on the inside of you. And we settle for second place citizenship. We settle for less. It's because the devil has, has convinced us that God missed the mark when it came to you. So we accept where we are. You know what I cringe? This makes me cringe that that day that I'm appointed to stand before God, he's going to show me everything that I left on the table. And I'm not built that way. I want everything I can get. I'll take yours too if you don't want it. Really, that's how I am. That's how I was as an athlete. No, I ain't had no mercy. If you played against me and you had one leg, I was going to destroy you. And that's why I had to be quiet on Friday when I was having my moment. I had to be quiet because I, I know the passion that I have. 
And my wife the same way. So we balance each other out, man. We, God put us together for a reason. But God didn't purge me from that. He left it there for the benefit of his kingdom. So as a leader in the body of Christ, I'm not going to quit. Think about it. The Apostle Paul, he was a gangster. <laughs> we don't look at it like, but he was an OG. He killed people, put people in jail, and he met Jesus. And because of his character and how he was built, he was able to go on two missionary journeys and establish churches all over Asia. Because he was an OG. I mean, after all, they dragged him out of the city, stoned him, and he got up and went back in the city. I don't know nobody who would do that. That's an OG. And I understand it clearly now because what was on the inside of him was the glory. The only thing that can stop the glory is you. I go into places now. And I know that there are barriers that I can't see. I just know that because I've been living in this world for 64 years, 63 years. And I know that there are barriers, seen and unseen, whatever you want to label them, there are barriers. But I understand that I have the glory of God on the inside of me and nothing could stand against it. Why do you think the scripture said there is no weapon that's formed against the glory? No weapon. So what happens is the devil comes along and he sells you a bill of goods and you believe it. So then you begin to, to, to really not pay attention to what's inside of you. And you begin to follow the ways of the world, not understanding that God said in Romans chapter 8 that he causes all things to work together for good. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's the glory. So God is so awesome in his thinking and, and, and his, his plan for the earth realm and for his people. He said, listen, I'm going to send my son to the cross to die for you. And Jesus was like, no, I'm sorry. And the devil was like, I'm going to kill Jesus. But he didn't know that. Like millions of Jesuses was going to pop up after that. And then really, how dumb is that? Even when Jesus died on the cross, it said that graves were open. And the people came out of the graves and went to the city. Look at the glory. The glory was so awesome that death could not stop it. That people came out of the grave. Why? Because of the glory. Understand this, family. God wants his glory to be seen in you. That's why it says we're the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. It's the glory that's on the inside of us. It cannot be contained. There is no barrier that can stop the glory that's on the inside of you. How do you think you got saved? Because you encountered the glory. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. I, I mean, the first 27 years of my life, I spent in the world. I probably was the number one heathen out there, too. 
And I remember, I'll never forget this, and my wife heard this testimony like 29,000 times, but I'll never forget it. That one day I came home from college in the summertime. I was just hanging out. And I remember I was standing on the subway, and the doors opened on the subway. It was packed. And it was these two or three people standing in front of me, and they were white. And they looked at me, I looked at them, and they said, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm looking at them like, I ain't never heard nobody say that before, but I ain't interested in that. And they said it again. And I said to them, say it one more time, I'm going to punch you in your face. Now, I ain't like that no more, okay? <laughs> Let me clear that up. I ain't, I ain't like that. I'm probably the nicest person you ever meet in your life. And then the doors to the subway train closed. And I got mad because I wanted them to say it again. Because I wanted to punch them. But I was an angry black man. That's what I was. But God created me to dominate. He created you to dominate. No, he created you to dominate. And if, if heaven can get you to stop looking at the natural, if it can get you to stop looking at your current circumstances, how much time you wasted, or can this thing turn around, or will I ever get there? If he can get you to change your perspective, the reason you're going through that is because you were appointed to go through that. Nobody else can endure the things that I've gone through. I was appointed to do it. So God equipped me to do that. I'm going to my pastor complaining about, can I get something easy? No, I was built to go through the struggles that I was going through at that time. Nobody else was built for that. My wife and I, we went over to Alexandria and, and planted a church right over there and right smack in the middle of Baptist denomination. They ain't got nothing against the Baptist. We ain't had no steeple on the front of our church. We ain't had no stained glass windows. We were just enjoying Jesus Christ. And they was like, y'all ain't no church. Y'all don't even look like a church. And it was a struggle. And then my wife got this revelation. <laughs> she came to me with this profound revelation. It, it was profound. She said, listen, God showed me that going over to Alexandria is going to be like we got a butter knife in our hand and we're trying to chip away at this big boulder. She said, that's how it's going to be. It's going to be hard. And she was right. It was tough. But we were built for that. We were appointed for that. We got friends that got mega churches, but they ain't no had no they got eight locations, but ain't none of them in Alexandria. Now really, that's the truth. None of them, matter of fact, they come to us and say, Man, how how y'all do that? But our perspective changed on that revelation that she got. Get this PW. Jesus is the rock. See, he changed our perspective, and we stopped looking at the struggle, and we started focusing on the glory. 
So even in your workplace or whatever situation you may be in right now, focus on the glory because the glory is eternal. Everything on the outside is temporary. Nothing can outlast the glory. Nothing can defeat the glory. Let me close with this. I got enough time. Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, beloved, and I love this, the way it starts out. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It's, it's letting you know that you are significant, you are important. It says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to what? Try you. The only way you won't think it's strange is if you change your perspective. Because of the glory that's on the inside of you, trials come. You hear me, Pastor Rob? They come. It ain't got nothing to do with you, how cute you are, how handsome you are, or how smart you are. It's all about the glory. I ain't getting no amens on that one, boy. I mean, Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Okay, you're in a financial bind. It ain't strange. You are not the first one. You're not even the second one or the third one. Okay, you're struggling in your relationship. Guess what? You're not the first one. Okay, somebody talked bad about you. You're not the first one. Change your perspective. I hope y'all getting this. Change your perspective on how you see things. I was reading the scripture the other day in Matthews where it says Jesus looked up and saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion. The Bible just doesn't describe the multitude. Drunks, liars, thieves, no telling what kind of people that was made up in it. But Jesus was moved with compassion. Why? Because he had the perspective of his father. As a matter of fact, right after that, Jesus said, tell them all to sit down. I want to feed them. Why? Because of the glory. It's all about the glory. So when you're in the storm or you're in a trial or, or someplace of being uncomfortable, it's about the glory. It ain't about you. You know, it's hard to get that thing through to people, man. Let me finish this up. Like some strange thing happened to you. Verse 13. But rejoice. Wait a minute. Is that in your Bible? That's, that's in the scripture. It's not a strange thing, but rejoice. It says, but rejoice. How? To the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. Watch this now. That when his glory is revealed. I told you, it ain't about you. Rejoice to the extent that he allowed you to suffer for his name's sake. Why? So that the glory can be revealed. Boy, the day we stop getting frustrated, the day we stop quitting and start realizing that there's something unique on the inside of us just waiting to get out. That's why people look at you and say, oh, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. It's the glory. 
that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad how with exceeding, that ain't regular smiling. That ain't regular. You ain't just smiling. You, you got something to smile about. You know something nobody else knows. That I'm in this situation here because my life is designed and appointed by God to affect the environment. See, I made a quality decision before I left corporate America that, and boy, it was some wicked stuff I was around. But I didn't make people, I didn't allow people to make me feel uncomfortable. I changed my perspective. I know there was separation of church and state, but that didn't apply to me. Because God is in everything. I can't separate him from nothing. I can't even say God is first, my family is second, and my job is third. Why? Because God is everything. So I decided that I'm not going to allow people to make me feel uncomfortable. Not when I got all this on the inside of me. They used to come up to me and say, I, I want to tell you a dirty joke. Like, let me tell mine first. <laughs> no, I should do that, really. Like, here's my joke. Jesus got up on the cross and died for you. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And they used to look at me and walk away. They saw me walking up to the water cooler, they went away. But I realized, I started changing my perspective. Trials and tribulations come to make you uncomfortable so you won't stay there. You know you won't read if you don't go through nothing. I ain't talking about y'all. Okay. Most people, they won't pray if they ain't going through nothing. You ain't going to crack that Bible. I was talking to somebody over there. I'm like, you read the Bible? No, I don't need to read the Bible. I'm like, well, how do you know what God is saying? How do you know how to live? How are you going to know his voice? Change your perspective. Uh, took a few minutes to explain to you and to show you in the Bible what's inside of you. Don't you dare leave out of that door thinking you're regular anymore. God takes the base things of the world to confound the wise with what? His glory that's on the inside. Amen. So I want to close out in prayer. I want to say a couple of appeals. So if you can clear your hearts, clear your minds, and let's look unto the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, we did capture the atmosphere with our faith. We entered into your presence with praise on our lips and with hands lifted up. We thank you for the table that you prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. And on that table, Father, are the things that you desire for us to have and the things that we need. So by faith, we're reaching out and grabbing the thing that we need, Father. You're such an awesome God. You're such a faithful God. Father, I want to pray for those who never knew you that may be out in cyber church even in this room today, I want to pray for them. If they've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that they will open up their mouth and accept you as Lord and ask you to come into their heart and declare that you died for them. Father, I want to pray for the backslider today. You're connected to them. You said you're married to the backslider. 
I pray, Father, that the backsliders heard you calling their name today, God. You stop reading, you stop praying, you stop fellowshipping with the Lord. Father, I pray that this is the opportunity that they've heard your voice. And Father, I pray that they're coming, running back to you, God, bowing down before you, reconnecting to you in that precious relationship. Now, Father, I want to pray for those who, who are sick, physically, mentally, God, I want to pray for them now. Release the healing bomb of Gilead all over the cyberspace. And in this room here, Father, all over the land, release the healing bomb of Gilead. And I put you in remembrance of your word. You say, you say it in your word that by your stripes, we were healed from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. So, Father, I, I sent out this declaration today that every tissue, every bone, every organ in our bodies performs and functions according to your excellence. By faith, I touch and agree with everyone, Father, who desires to have healing in their body. I touch and agree by faith with everyone who is reconnected to you. And I touch and agree by faith with everyone who has accepted you as Lord in their life. Your Bible says that when two touch and agree on anything in the earth, it will be done in heaven above. Father, I want to take a moment to thank you for pushing the coronavirus, off of the shores of our land. And I thank you, Father, for you've brought us through this storm, through this trial, and we're all the wiser for it. I thank you for those that are still standing, that are still trusting, that are still believing in you, God. I thank you for this house, this local branch of Zion, and the leaders that you've planted here, God, that they're faithful to you, God. You recognize it. You see it, God. And increases on your mind every time you think about them, Father. I thank you for those who connected to them, God. Laboring in your vineyard. I pray, Father, that you will continue to increase them. Open doors unto them that no man can close. I pray for their faith, that their faith will not fail them, God. That they will believe you as the God of all impossibilities. That you're not a one-time God. Now, Father, I put these words in the atmosphere that you will continue to bless the fruit of their labors. They're doing a great work here in Virginia Beach, Father. Continue to give them increase in that work. Send laborers, God. That's why we're praying to you right now. You said, look up for the harvest is white and pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, that you will send forth laborers. Call them in, Father from the north, the south, the east, and the west, from all over this local area, Father, laborers who have a heart for you and who have a heart for people. And, Father, you see the great needs. Let them flow through this local branch of Zion, Father. Father, I thank you for connecting us to the Spades and, and the rest of the church family here, God. Such a precious people. We thank you for the love that they've already expressed to us, God. And I pray, Father, that you will bless them in the city, bless them in the field, bless them in the marketplace, bless them in their relationships, bless them in their health, bless them tremendously, God. And I pray, Father, that you will give them the boldness to open up their mouths and declare that our God is not dead, but he's still alive. Let them manifest the glory everywhere they go, Father. We declare that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, created in your image. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Thank you, family.